Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's edition of the Temple of Who podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Mabels, a.k.a. Jay Mabes, here as always with the homie, it's Kings. Kings, what's going on, bro? Man, doing good. Y'all, you know, passed my quals, official PhD candidate, so feeling good. Big love for that. Before before we even get started, man, big love for that, man. That's that's not easy. Shout out, man. You know, we we cherish in these moments on the Temple of Hoop. The price of King's Brick is definitely going up. Uh, these, these next couple man. years, we cherish in these moments on the table of hoop, man. Uh, congrats, bro. Real talk, that's a big step in life, big step in academic goals. Get that done, bro. ASAP. Thank Rocky. you, thank you. We are here, playoffs. Let's talk about some hoop. Woo! Middleton goes crazy. Fourth quarter game on the bounce. Middleton absolutely goes crazy. Bucks defeat the Hawks in game three. Get home court back. Story of this game, obviously, Chris Middleton, electric fourth quarter, mm-hmm. 20 points on route to 38. The brother was just special. There's nothing you can do. Giannis had 34 and 50, 34 and 14. It was like an afterthought to, <laughs> to, to what Middleton yeah. was doing. Um, I was worried. I picked Bucks and six because I thought, you know, just they would cat off and lose two games. But if you can survive a game where Trey scores like that, you don't know if you're gonna stay that efficient. Your your bucks and five take is looking looking kind of good at, at at this point. Um, yeah, th- we'll talk about what I'm worried about for the bucks again. Uh, you probably know what the issue is. We both mention it every time. Uh, every time. <laughs> but yeah, just how are you feeling right now about about the bucks and five? And obviously, we both acknowledge that there's a deep talent disadvantage with these both teams. So, talk to me about what you uh, saw tonight and just, just where the series is right now. Well, I mean, like if Middleton, Middleton has confidence that he can ball out like this on the road, uh, and whenever it get his, whenever I mean, that's I, that's Kern's call for Atlanta. Uh, this is where you miss DeAndre Hunter or even Cam Reddish. I know a lot of people are like, well, Cam Reddish wasn't good. Well, Cam Reddish is an athletic wing defender, so at right. the bare minimum, just having a body that you can put in front of uh, Middleton would help. You know what I mean? So can't. This is where you miss Cam Reddish. This is where you miss DeAndre Hunter because you need the defensive presence. Maybe, you know, Camrish gets, you know, a hot streak going. He can give you 12 points here because Trey needs all the help he can get. So Milton waking up, I mean, this is kind of over with if he feels confident. Uh, another thing, you know, as much as we annoyed are with a bud, he's, he's realizing it slowly but surely that, <laughs> hey, maybe I should have been playing this Portis guy. Um, he's, you know what I mean? He plays 17 minutes t- tonight compared to 25 to Brooke Lopez. I mean, that's a huge step in the right direction for the Bucks. And, uh, you know, Bobby Portis plus minus, he was 
plus 17. Brooke Lopez was my 17. Matches the eye test we've been saying about Man. Portis all year. We've been <laughs> saying Portis is a better matchup against these teams because he's more mobile. He can switch and he can still give you the floor spacing. And he's more physical than Brooke Lopez in the inside. He's not as good as a rim protector, obviously. We're not saying that. But he's more physical in terms of strength-wise using his body. And uh, he can give you this floor spacing. And he's more mobile. So, you know, it makes sense that the – the gang basically was one on Portis minutes like that. Like, let's just call it for what it is. It was one on Portis minutes. I got nervous, man, because I, first of all, I got to give Nate McMillan. Uh, he said, fine, if you're going to keep Brooke Lopez out there, we just going to spam yep. this pick and roll. And it's going to be, a, you it's gonna be a trade floater or open three every time. And they kind of seized control early. I was like, no, but Bud is not going to do this to me again. <laughs> As they and, should. Yeah, that's not, actually that's that's the play at that point. You, it's, it's an open look every time. You got your electric score coming down here for a floater or open shot, or you have to overhelp, and it's a three on the backside. Like that, they were literally spamming that every single time uh, down the court to get some early. If they didn't have anything early, and they were getting a ton of good looks. Um, yeah, man, I'm just Portis. I think he has an ability to show higher, and just a little bit on that pick and roll to have Trey think about what's happening. That and then when they put Giannis at the five, it's just so hard to guard to guard the Bucks because at that point, Giannis at the five, you it's hard to play Collins and Compella together, mm-hmm. and that's something that the the Hawks like to do, and that kind of hurts them because they can't have those two on the court together, which has been a very successful line for them in the playoffs. So yeah, Giannis at the five does two things. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree. It 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 because now you know um, with Giannis at the five. And you know, what I mean, it makes it makes you have to use more speed on the perimeter, more foot speed. And you would think, you know, Collins is, you know, because he's an athletic type of big, he can, you know, he's he's built to be stay on the floor. But he actually struggles, uh, you know, to stay on the floor if you have, you know, athletic bigs because he's not super strong. I was just say he's not physical he's, at all. He's not super he's physical. Not, he's not very physical. He's not very physical, and he's not quick enough to to keep up in front of these outside guys collins has your classical tweener body you know he's the classical tweener where you know what i mean he, he 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 can be good here and there but when you have clear advantage on the premier or clear advantages with strength uh he becomes you know kind of a, a liability in terms of keeping up with it uh capella so you have to play capella at the five when josh at the five because he has the strength and, and, and lateral quickness to stay in front but then it, you get into issues where, where, and this is why they kind of have to maybe keep Collins on the floor. You get into issues where if they put Giannis at the five and then they put uh, Portis at the four, you know what I mean, to, to have Portis space the floor, and then on defensively they use Portis as the five. Like you said, it's different now. Well, if even if Portis isn't the rim protector, you can show higher, you yep. can switch here and there if you if you if you need to, and you can feel comfortable with him getting a few uh, decent possessions at the switching on the outside and then you have Giannis at the at the backside rim protection you know what I mean it's kind of like that what we have when we when Laker fans want Miles Turner it's like you can get away with you know AD being the five offensively and Miles as the four offensively but then when it's defense Miles, Miles is the five and AD is the four because they're just basically interchangeable because they can do similar things that's how it is with Portis and Giannis they can interchange between five and four that's you can't do that with Brooke 
So that's why Portis's minutes are so good. It's because they're very versatile when Portis is on the floor. They can do a lot of different things. That's why you see the impact Portis had. And I called this coming into the year. I told Bucks fans, I'm like, you're going to love Portis come playoff time. They didn't believe me early, but now a lot of Bucks fans, are, some Bucks fans come back, they're saying, you're right, Kings. I'm like, I told you, man, you just got to, sometimes you just got to believe in the talent, bro, and, and and just let the rest figure itself out, man. Like, I remember, like, I think, I think uh, Portis, I think his deal is as low as it is because of that fight. Yeah. I just is it's all off the court with him, honestly. Right, like, right. His values based off off court. It's not right. on, I, on the I court. think if if they chip up or and he, and he continues to play like this, how have this effect on the game when he's out there, he's going to opt out and have a chance to get a, a, a bigger deal. You know, he's yeah. going to have a, a player option for next year. It's like two years, eight million. It's like he's opting out of that. You know, if, yeah. if he continues to do because he's he's going to play way beyond that if he stays the course here. Um, on the Hawks end. I think you brought it up, which was a great point. They just don't have the wings that they would normally have to defend mm-hmm. Middleton. I think he's starting to see that. Like, Huerta's doing all he can. Bogey's doing all he can. But they're just not the athletes that Hunter and Reddish would be to, yeah. give, to give Middleton some any type of resistance. So, and then you can't divert that much attention away from Giannis right. to give to Middleton. So, it's it's kind of rough at this point. So, what what is their play to try to, you know, tie this up and get a 2-2 going back to Milwaukee? What do you think? What's something you think that they – have to try to do, you know, given their talent disadvantage. Man, <laughs> uh, stay in front. <laughs> Capella has to stay in front of Giannis, and you have to stay in front of Middleton, help late, help late in the shot clock on their drives, and hope that they make a bad read at the end of the shot clock, uh, you know, kind of like what the Clips were doing to uh, Booker uh, and, and to CP3. We'll get into that series later, but just help late. And, and hope that they make a bad read because if you can't stay in front um, enough for you for them for you to have them use the shot clock, then it's kind of finished. I mean, you're like in Utah Jazz territory at that point. You know, you're just giving up buckets if you can't stay in front for at least like ten seconds. You know what I mean? You know what it's I'm crazy, man. So, yeah, like in, in Middleton's like I'm not saying he's been the key, but uh, you know, Ernie Johnson gave a stat. You know, they haven't lost a game where he shoots over forty percent in the playoffs. He shows mm-hmm. under forty percent. You know, records bad. It's like one in uh, one in six in the playoffs. But when he over forty percent, they have not lost a game. That's crazy to me. <laughs> that that makes sense because he's their primary wing scorer. So if that if their prim, their best perimeter scorer isn't scoring, you're basically putting on Giannis to average forty to fifty points. So it kind of makes sense. You know, if he's not scoring efficiently. Then you're basically saying, Giannis, well, you have to win us the game. Excuse me, one yeah, and four. I, mean, I want. I want to give a stack with one and four. They swept Miami the three games to the Nets, and then the first game he's under forty percent. So one and four when he doesn't was under forty percent. I'm sorry, my, that's my apology. Yeah, and I think the and that one that one was probably game seven. I assume, right correct? when he got when he got it going late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Giannis, like I said, Giannis had to carry that game for him to even be in that position, and that's the issue. You know, the reason why they're so bad is because if he's having those games, then well, Giannis has to carry. Or they're out of there. Like, you know, that's why, like, I was kind of, like, taken aback by some of the Middleton tweets. I'm like, bro, did you? Did we just got through with game seven. If he doesn't – Giannis doesn't backpack that team there at home. So, you know what I mean? So, let's let's pump the brakes. You know, yes, Middleton, this is the classic Kobe Shaq. And this is – and this hey, is thank you. That is exactly where I was going. What we see today is literally what we just saw with Kobe Shaq. Like, you really would have had people – who would have said, yeah, well, Kobe's their best player. He closes the games, even though Shaq is, like, averaging 40 points. And, like, Nap had a Nap had this comment. He was saying that uh, – because he's an in Pacers fan. Shout out to Nap. 
he said that they felt like they could beat Jordan. They felt like they could beat the Bulls. Like they they felt they could win. And they he said when they played the Lakers, they they weren't scared of Kobe. They you know Reggie Miller. They felt he could they could compete with Kobe. He even did in that game where Kobe closed. That Reggie Miller was going bucket for bucket, but they said they had no they had no answer for Shaq, and that was a guy who they were feared of. They had no answer, and that's kind of how it is with the with the Bucks. You know what I mean? It's like teams are they're like man, like we need to stop Giannis from dominating the paint, or we have no chance. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have no chance. Like yes, if Middleton's our closer, you know what I mean? Yes, if he gets it going, we're in trouble. So we obviously have to make him uncomfortable. But if we can't you know, hinder Giannis, we're not winning the game. <laughs> you know yeah, that's I mean? that's okay. a, that's an excellent Shaq and Kobe point. I was literally going to say that it's the same dynamic because, dude, what middle, what, you know, low-key, like, you know, we both have said that, you know, NBA Twitter and the basketball community in general is just too into aesthetics. Uh, yeah. just, just a wild stat that the stat views put up. There are four players in NBA history with, you know, 10, 30, and 10 games in a single playoff run. Listen to these names, bro. Shaq, Hakeem, Kareem, <laughs> and Giannis, bro. Like at some point, <laughs> like that's you know that's... bro. That's no. That, that's Duncan's had tremendous playoff runs. Didn't do it. KG didn't do it. You know, what I'm saying Dirk didn't. Like didn't there are it. some Hall of Famers who have not bro, done that. That is we just that is crazy. we just named top ten all time players. Those are the only exactly people that that. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. So like. The aesthetic complaints, like it's cute or whatever, it's good for memes, but take a step back and just like what he's doing lately is kind of like special and unheard of. When you do like this is since like, this is since like nineteen sixty three. How many great bigs in place since nineteen sixty three? You got a the lot, U- man. dude, the Ewings, David Robinsons. You feel me? Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's no. like they never Carl did Malone, that. They, they never that. like Malone has been to a couple finals. Like he had deep playoff runs. Like. None of those guys did that in the playoff run. Like, being penciled in for 30 and 10, the majority of your playoff games, knowing the whole defense is coming at you, like, that counts for something. Regardless of what you feel about, you know, skill or aesthetics. And, you know, the thing is why we can laugh at is because he, like, you saw that video going around of him talking about, man, that how all the failures he's had. He's not afraid to fail. So if he's going to, you know, if he's going to do a pull-up and he's going to miss, he'll come right back and do it again. I mean, it was even to a point where Basky, you know, the guy, one of the guys <laughs> like to get jokes off of saying, hey, Giannis was, game seven was shooting free throws all halftime. You know, warming up, and he came in the third quarter. He hit all his free throws. Like that's the type of mindset that you need to be successful to be great. Giannis has the mindset to be great. As as long as he puts in the work, as long as he keeps working, I think he'll be great. I mean, look, he's he showed me some things. You know, a foundation to get better. He has a he's he's trying to add a pull up game. He's trying to add a, a a hooked shot to his game. Like he's trying to add. Like he's understanding. I think I have to take threes to keep people honest. But I'm not going to get better. From the three point, I'm gonna get better taking these pull ups, taking these hook shots. That's gonna make my scoring uh, have variety, and he's gonna get better, man. Uh, look, this this is only the beginning for Giannis. I hope people understand this. The this scary is- part is that that one legged fadeaway is starting to drop, like beyond just like occasion. It, it was doing it the regular season. People <laughs> were getting that up. So I'm not shocked that's finally falling. Like, it was working the regular season. He was trying these things for a reason, so that now when he uses them. It can go down, and now it's, you're saying it's, it. it's not a fish out of water for him to try some of this stuff anymore. And that that spin move he has when he's going downhill and getting to the other side of him and finger rolling it, this is no defense for that. Unless you that's sitting crazy. on the spin, absolutely. Unless you sitting on the spin early, that's it's a bucket. 
that you know, that's nowhere he got that from. You know, that's King James special, right? Yeah. There, full speed <laughs> spin. You're not stopping that, boy. Yeah, unless you jump it. You have to jump it or it's, it's a wrap. So Yeah, you have to jump that. So, I mean, I pick Bucks in six. You pick Bucks in five. I'm starting to lean that way. Uh, on top of it, uh, knocking on some wood. Hopefully, Trey's okay. Stepped on a yeah. ref's foot. That's just a wild uh, playoff for injuries, man. man. It's just getting silly, but – Hopefully he's okay for game. He, he actually, he played a great game. It's just, I think we both acknowledge there's a huge talent deficit and it's only so much that they're going to be able to do given like schematically with the talent deficit. So, I mean, Drew Holiday's going two for 12 and nobody care. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right? He, he, <laughs> and people are bringing up the injuries, but you know what? Like everyone says, you can find injuries through every right. Right. playoff run, man. It's right. There's injuries every single playoff run, man. Right. It's, it's my, like, yeah, my only pushback, right. my pushback would be like, this is a higher than normal. Like they showed the Of game. course, of course. I don't know what I'm just saying, but you're absolutely right. At some point, you can go back 20-some odd years, there was a big injury or something that happened to somebody where I, it altered I, the, the playoff. I think there. we have to get into a point with basketball, especially with, with this up-tempo game now, too. I was part know, of it. Being, being comp, contact sport, because we accept injuries in football. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if you're missing <laughs> your star player, it's like, oh, well, nigga, it's football. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You're not going to be – everybody's not going to be healthy in football. So we have to get to that point with basketball where it's like, yo, this is a contact sport. This is high energy, high tempo. It's, it's a good possibility. You might get hurt. You know what I mean? Like – these players are fast. You can't touch them. The game's up tempo. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, speaking of injury, that's made a team. Let's go head over to the West. Talk about this Suns Clippers uh, series. Man, um, so we haven't been on. We listened. We missed two games this week. Game three, uh, Clippers came out and gave them their best punch. Got down 2-1. Game four, fell down early, fought back. Uh, actually took the lead at some point real late, but just absolutely ran out of gas. That was probably one of the ugliest playoff games I've ever Man. seen. Both teams completely glassed. I think it was 75-74 for four minutes of game time. It was Man, it was, it was a one-point <laughs> game for, like, the longest yeah, Nobody time, scored, man. and just eventually the, the the Clippers were able to – I mean, Suns were able to make a little bit more play. Actually, their biggest plays were free throws late. Once Booker yeah, found out, really, they only scored from free, from free throw line. Um I think my, my takeaway is that you can only have role players playing like stars for so long. Like at some point, what's the old Cinderella story? That clock strikes 12. I mean, Reggie Jackson, I, I, I can't, I think he's made himself a lot of money in this playoff run, right. but he, he was eight for 25. Just asking him to play at that level. I made the joke. He was looking like diet Dane Lillard with the shots he was making and taking. Right. <laughs> um, it's only so long you can have guys, who were playing that far above that? He's literally playing like an all-star guard. Yeah, he's a buyout guy. Like he's only so guard. Paul George has got one foot in the coffin. He's he, he's just dead out there, energy wise. I think the Clippers are the, they played every other night since. Man, they've had a rough schedule. Man. It was I think entire playoff run, even going back to the regular. Like it was a, it was ugly. Like when somebody so many dates, it's been every other day they the only playoff team left who never got uh the two off, the two, the two day off, the extra day off. So, yeah, 
it's it's I, th- I you know uh, it's Phoenix is hard to play. Phoenix is hard to play in Phoenix. So it wouldn't surprise me if they got put out in five. But I I've seen uh you know we've seen more spectacular things happen if they can pull something out there behind. And it looks like that lob may have designed the series, man. It really it really does. So where are you with that series and just what what you think? Uh, what do you think going forward? Man, I think the Clippers should be – I mean, they'll most likely, I think, lose the next game. Uh, I, I don't think they'll go out without a fight, though, but just given the mentality that they've had all playoffs. But I definitely think as Clippers, as a Clippers fan, um, again, just like everyone else, it was derailed by injuries. Um, but I think you should be proud of the foundation – uh, I think, you know, with Kawhi, if Kawhi, you know, Kawhi stays, which I think he will, and I think a lot of people are pushing hot air with Kawhi and the medical staff to get stored. I mean, the source was Skip Bayless. I'm, so I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to entertain. I'm not going to entertain that. But uh, I think the Clippers have now established a culture uh, for their team. Uh, they're, res- uh, they're resilient. Uh, they're professionals. And I think that's going to translate for them going forward. So I think even if they lose this series, I think they can hang their hat on as they have a direction. Uh, they have a direction going forward. They are a true championship contending team. And they will be a perennial contending team as long as they have PG, Kawhi, and good serviceable pieces around them and with Ty Lue. And, I, and that's a good foundation for them to have because uh, they can be, you know, you never know where the chips roll. I mean, look at the Bucks; They stayed as a title team. You know what I mean? For the past three years, and now look, they have a window. Right, right, right. So just staying there is good for them, I think. And I think the biggest thing for the Clippers is the money's no option. So if Reggie Jackson gets a deal, Bomber will have the option to. Yeah. So the, the luxury tax is not a thing. So I think that you know that's the biggest. That's the biggest plus for them. Like they're going to be able to retain any guy they truly want. It's exactly. a matter about trying to add to something that they think they're missing. Like Terrence Mann isn't going anywhere to add a piece. Yeah. You know, Reggie Jackson can be retained. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So stuff stuff like that. So yeah, I'm thinking long term. I mean, and Paul George said himself, you know, we don't want Kawhi out there if he's not even close to hundred uh, percent. it's not worth the long term miss. So I think they are taking that long term view. Um just from a fun playoffs, it would be fun to see the series get extended just to see yeah, big of course, time of games. Course. We all I mean, so you know, it's always of course, fun. of course. Um while we're here on let's switch to Phoenix a little bit. DeAndre Aiden, man. Has any player raised their stock higher in the play? Like, if, if you could name somebody, tell me with this playoff run, because there's an argument. You know, first round, it was. Steph, you know, I, I I have one. I got one. Steph Curry first playoff run when he went to toe to toe with the Spurs. Oh yeah, I, I was talking about in this playoff yeah. run, in this in this year's playoffs. This, on this year, yeah, yeah. Has a player raised his profile in these playoffs? Oh, you know, oh, Reggie, no. Jack, Reggie Jackson is up there, but Aiton has literally been dominant on both ends. Mm-hmm. And they're in the conference final. It, like it's getting like to a point where okay, we have to ask ourselves: Is he has he been? I think in this series he's been the Suns' best player. It's quite yeah, he has, he has, yeah. he has. So, man, DeAndre Ayton, dude. Like, what do you? What is your take? Like, obviously, I mean, we both said that we like him. It's just that he's always going to be the guy who was taken before Luca, right? Going to taint him in some people's eyes, but. He got to get some flyers for this man. He's been absolutely dominant on both ends. Like the Clippers literally cannot play him off the floor with their small ball, and it's killing the series right now. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, shoot, he can't be played off by small ball. He's gonna be he's gonna be a dominant force in this league. I mean, uh, I'm not worried about his stats in the regular season. He sacrificed to win. Um, 
go back to his rookie season, 16 and 11, second year in the league, 18.5 and 11. This guy will be a, a 20 plus and 10 guy easily. You know, once he gets more touches, more features in the offense, he's going to be a 20 plus and 10 guy. He has, you know, one of the things we talked about, and we, a lot of us and, you know, me and the Suns, some Suns folks, we talked about this last year. Like we, we told people Aiden has great switchability. Uh, people didn't want to listen, obviously, because people didn't watch the Suns. But we told people, we we're like, you know, hey, Aiden can switch, you know, turn on that tape. He got some good feet. Uh, you know what I mean, he can in protect, he can switch. People were always, uh, people just wrote that off, obviously. But now they could look at the past, like, well, wow, he can do this. I'm like, yeah, he's had this physical ability. That's why he went number one. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, 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 they raved about the physical attributes for a reason. And this was why. And this is, and with Ains, look, I'll tell you guys right now. With Ains run, Mobley's getting picked number two. Hey, right. <laughs> Mobley's getting picked number two. It's fellas. a copycat league. Copycat <laughs> league. Mobley's getting Mobley's getting picked number two, fellas. Jalen Green, I hate it had to be you, but Mobley's getting picked number two. Jalen Green, you'll probably go three or four, depending on what Cleveland wanted to do. But Mobley's getting picked number two, fellas. Like when you have that <laughs> profile as a big, because Mobley has that profile that ain't got. You're not playing those guys off the floor because they athletic. They can guard the perimeter they can run the floor and they're big you're not playing that off the floor man yeah that's, just, that's why i said that that's what remember before the series i thought i was like whether these eight and he just on the switches he steps out and i think the biggest thing which is you know what utah's problem was aiden's able to control the like dominate inside offensively offensively and on yep. top of that when they switch and they miss a shot for some reason Gobert couldn't dominate the offensive glass like Aiden. Yep. Aiden's creating so many second opportunities. Absolutely. He's making Lou think twice about, damn, how long can I go with this small lineup? And He's even doing it with Zubak on the floor. That's it's what I'm saying. Just, with yeah. the small ball, this was Zubak too. Yeah, I think, I mean, outside of that second half, where I thought Zubak, that's probably the best I've seen Zubak play that second yeah, half. He, uh, he was getting those offensive games too. It was yeah. The I was like, I, but outside of that second half of game, uh, game four, that's probably you know that Aiden's been pretty much dominant over Zubak and pretty much on the floor anyway. Um, I was curious, like down the stretch, they were switching, and you got Paul and Booker keep taking these you know contested tough twos instead of throwing it inside to Aiden on the switch. I, like that was killing me down the stretch. No, nobody remember nobody could score. They're in the mid seventies, you know, all fourth quarter. I'm like they switching, just throwing in his big behind. But you, but you, but you, but you know what? This is this this is why Aiden points went down this is the this is the bs that they've been doing all year <laughs> and uh i think mar's been one of the main ones complaining about it. it's like he'll get like Aiden will get his points when cp3 you know stop ball hogging or cp3 leave because like bro we finna go we finna we finna ask a tough question in a minute i like you brought that that's the next Be, because it's like bro you got a dominant dominant big let him go one-on-one -on -one in the post and create you know what i mean like take a step back you're getting tough jumpers Take a step back, say, hey, Aiden, we'll, we'll, we'll give you an entry pass, sh show them what you got. Like, like you know, we hate Vogel for overdoing it, but damn, <laughs> don't get rid of it if you have talented bigs, bro. We're not telling you to not do it. We're just saying don't overdo it when it's clearly not an advantage. But if you have an advantage, if you have space, let them go one-on-one, -on -one, man. Stop do You don't have to use the pick and roll every single possession. Yeah, my thing is if you do when they switching like that, just throw it into them. And then they'll collapse or it's a bucket. It's an open look. Like, I mean, that's just what I thought. So that's a good segue. You know, I'm catching a lot of heat for some uh, spicy Chris Paul takes I have. <laughs> I, 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 you know, started out as a, you know, semi-serious. Obviously, I had to add the Maples 
you know, joke sprinkles to it. Um, but I was saying, like, for this shit, like, obviously, I'm Chris Paul, legacy, all, all-time point guard. He is clearly, you know, obviously that guy. Right. I was talking about in this specific series, I felt like in large spurts of the game, the fact that, you know, Cameron Payne's speed and the fact he didn't hold the ball as long was more helpful to Phoenix. And it's like, and when they, and like, it's not even about like the pace is a part of it, but zipping the ball around in the half, in the half court, because Payton's not a ball, uh, you know, Payton's not a ball stopper. You know he knows he's a role guy. So he catches it. He's making his move quick. Or he's just moving off the rock. Right. So that was my take. And obviously, you saying, you know, Payton better than Chris Paul. Would you, would you stop hating on Chris Paul? So I was like, whatever. So, you know me, uh, I completely lean into it to make people upset. And you know that's just what I do. <laughs> so, just where are you on that pain? CP three. Now, obviously, Chris Paul experience is going to weigh heavily here. I acknowledge that. But just where are you with that? As far as you know, the different ways they play and how it's affecting you know this series, you know, game to game or just within the game. Man, I <laughs> y'all have to understand, bro. Fit matters in basketball, bro. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't even matter how good you are. The fit can make or break a lot of different things. There's a reason why it was clunky for LeBron and Wade a little bit because, you know, it's ball-dominant guys. Wade's not really a shooter. LeBron was incons- was streaky. You know what I mean? It's like even with the talent, you have to have basketball fit, bro. So just to bring up to CP3, when we say basketball fit, Phoenix's guys' advantage has been athleticism, speed. That's been their, that's been what they have used to dominate uh, the good teams in the playoffs: speed and athleticism. They ran the Lakers off the floor when CP3 was hurt, and then and, and uh, AD was wobbly and came off. They ran the Lakers off the floor. You know, in um, against the Clippers, the f- first two games, the speed was pushing the s- Clippers' uh, stamina and legs to the to the limits. Like they were getting up and down, getting up and down was working. The Clippers making them have to execute and play at a high level. When Chris Paul came, you saw the margin for error increased for both teams. Yeah, the Clippers were missing, so let the the Suns hang around, but the Suns. They made every possession matter that much more too. So if they didn't execute, the Clippers were in good shape. They could hang around the whole game because they knew they weren't going to push the tempo. They weren't going to, you know, go up by 25 and now it's an uphill climb. It was like, oh, we'll always be, even if we go down double digits, we can cut it to single digits because Chris Paul is going to come and pound the rock. We'll get in our set defense. We'll be able to analyze our offensive sets and we'll be able to get some rest to go run our offense because he's not going to run up action until 10 seconds go off the shot clock so you know i mean it's that type of stuff people aren't understanding that that stuff helps the other team if 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 you're a team that is getting beaten by speed and athleticism or you're a team that thrives off that and john rivers has said this literally all year like (laughs) he was saying this in the regular season chris paul's playing that slow up-tempo Playoff hoops gonna make them good for playoffs, but it's affecting book stats. You know, he was saying that. He was hey, it, really, it really is, though. It really. <laughs> he was saying that all year. John Rivers said that all year is affecting booking ain't stats. And he's right though. They they like they want to play fast. Like those guys are young. They want to play fast, and Chris Paul is not allowing them 
like it hurts it hurts in some situations people just have to understand like playing so like for example if you were to play a healthy lebron ad and you were to play slow that's terrible like if you're playing slow on lebron james and you're making a half court chess game against lebron james that's a horrible thing to do for example you know what i mean that's why it looked a lot better when chris paul was you know off and campaigning book was going up and down they were up 30 on us because when you get up and down you make it fast tempo it's like well lebron 36 years old, it's time to run. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, so, you know what I mean? It's like, that. that's, hey, that speed and athleticism, it matters, man. It matters. Yeah, see, that's that's what I was saying. But, I, you know, I had to put my Mabel's humor on it just to make, right. make the locals mad. But it is what it is, man. And even some Suns fans will say, it's like, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Like, yes, yeah. you're more prepared for playoff hoop. The game gets close. It might be a little better. But, you know, overall, I just think, in this day and age, even in playoffs, you know, you got to play a little faster. And I think the way the Bucks defense is set up, the Suns, if I'm just, you know, not counting that Atlanta Hawks, we've seen where, you know, crazier things happen. Not counting the Suns, Clippers just see major things happen, but just looking slightly ahead without getting too deep of it. I think they're going to have to play fast if they're going to beat yeah. the Bucks. And like, you just, you can't play half court. Giannis is an excellent weak side defender. Brooke is excellent at the rim. You just got to, you know what I'm saying? Even if, you know, you're killing them pick and roll. Horse is going to come in and show higher and make the half court look tough. You got to get out in the half. You got to get out of full court against this this uh, Bucks team. In, in my opinion, I think that's, that's you, and and that Bucks and that Bucks series is going to be interesting because, um, you know, I said this thing about, about man, you know, Aiden might clap Giannis one on one because of the physical profile, but on the flip side, Aiden might be rendered ineffective against the Bucks um, because. The Bucks have bodies and they have athleticism in the front court in terms of Portis and Giannis. They're going to make life very painful on Aiden because, you know, the thing with Aiden, I know he was putting putting on, on, on AD, but AD has like a motor issue, just like, like how some of the people <laughs> say Aiden had. AD kind of has that physical motor issue, especially this year since, you know, know how we t- people talk about when AD gets hurt, you know, he can't play scared because he doesn't want to get hurt no more. Yeah, the whole season's uh, about just making it through. <laughs> you know, just making it through. So that's kind of also holding AD back in that first round. So Aiden got confidence early, and, you know, he started exerting himself. But Giannis, he's going to go 110% every single possession on Aiden. Aiden's really going to be pushed by those bucks. So the Aiden we've been seeing dominating, man, it'll be interesting to see if he show up against the Bucks. Yeah, but I, and I'll say this, man. He's when we say it, I mean, but he answered the call every series, man. Obviously, you know, Denver was down some guys on Maylees, but you right. know, he didn't get completely dominated by Joker. Uh, he won the nope. uh, the matchup against AD and Drummond. AD was hurt, you know, whatever. But he's winning the matchup against the Clippers, whether it be Zubac or their small ball. So to his credit, man, he has answered that bell at every you know turn in the playoffs, which is all you can ask for right. for a young player in, in his first run. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a different type of challenge, man. Because right, absolutely, absolutely, it's it's a guy as physically gifted as you with more talent. You know, I mean, it's gonna be tough for him. Because <laughs> yeah, Giannis is a whole different animal. But that's you know, it's the finals, man. It's yeah. at that point, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that real. Yeah. Nothing, nothing easy at that point. So, nothing. last thing before we get we get out of here, we're gonna touch on this very briefly. You know, there's obviously. Uh, not going to go too far into the coaching hire. Uh, obviously, the Blazers confirmed, you know, amongst much controversy, uh, Chauncey Bubs to a four-year deal with a one-year option uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the end of the deal uh, through much controversy. 
Um, a lot of the backlash behind the behind the hire uh, fell onto Dame Lillard because of his uh, lack of knowledge of the you know Chauncey Billups you know highly controversial past. On top of that, he didn't give any pushback once he did find find out uh, or not publicly at least. So he caught a lot of flack. Um, Chris Haynes, who pretty much talks to Dame when he wants to put out an article that says sources are, are talking about Dame leaving and everybody who knows how connected Haynes is, I was like, okay, we know who the source is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I got us thinking um, possible trade, uh, Damian Lillard trade scenarios. Uh, you guys have to understand he has four years left on his deal. Four so when you the supermax has a kick to you. So when you acquire him, you have to understand you're getting a guy within his prime, maybe you know, middle or tail end, whatever. Getting for the rest of his prime. Exactly, but. exactly. So this isn't a one year we can lose him. So the offers are gonna be out of this world, which is why I never took you know, I understand the Lakers, you know, fervor and thinking like, oh, this is a chance to get to LA. He's in Space Jam too. You have to understand, even if Dame requests L.A., the owner's going to be like, Dame, <laughs> I can get um, eight picks from here, two, three young players, and you want me to trade you to L.A. for, you know, Kyle Kuzma and THT and, and some first, like, Dame. Man, not even THT because he can't because of the rules. Because, <laughs> so yeah, because rules. Yeah, yeah, so it, 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 it was like Kuzma and – like Mark Gasol, KCP, and, yeah, KCP, Trey like, Dennis, like come right. on, it's man. like it's like, dude, I can't, you know, I have a team to run here. I can't. Handicap <laughs> Paul my... said, Paul said, if he had, if he does that, he's gonna anyone who does that is gonna be forced to sell the team, bro. right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like that's why I can't take the Lakers threat, you know, seriously. Um, the Pelicans have a lot to offer. The Knicks have a lot to offer. The Sixers have a lot to offer. Just the combination of young players with potential on rookie contracts, which is key for a small market team like Portland, where they can get a guy like, you know, Simmons, who could probably use a fresh start, you know, is an all-star. So, we'll, you know, we don't know how that future holds. But those, I'd probably lean, I think Keen's convinced me of this, uh, Knicks and Philly first, given their markets and the, the, you know, quick path to being contenders, pairing him with guys already there. Uh, mm-hmm. You put Dame with Embiid. If you're able to, you know, knock Julius Randle down a peg where he should be as a number two, you know, that makes him more productive, I think, in a playoff setting where it was this year where he's kind of be, had to be the guy. And then you're the Knicks, too, so you'll attract right. stars. Exactly. And then the Knicks right. will attract other guys. Oh, that's a great point, Kings. And, then, you know, kind of like in a distant third, I would put the Pelicans just because the absurd amount of assets they have and the opportunity right. to pair somebody uh, with Dame and possibly B.I. You know, they, they have the, the amount of draft capital and young players to do that in addition to a pick this year that's top 10. So um, possible Dame destinations. What are you seeing here, Kings? Like just obviously we don't, we don't have sources like that. You know, we talk to people, but right. it ain't nothing legit. So what, what do you think? You know, obviously, you know, uh, first two came to mind, Knicks and Sixers. Clearly Sixers obviously can compete right now. They can give up everybody but Embiid to get Dame. And they have like the established young talent. Uh, ben Simmons, probably the best young talent that's available. Uh, then you have the uh, the Knicks, who have a, 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 he- a whole host of picks and young talent to offer as well. Um, and then you, like you said, you have. Uh, I think those two are the most, are the highest, uh, based on what he wants. Uh, and then I think you 
you know, Pels, dark horse candidates. I have two main dark horse candidates. Pelicans, obviously, uh, being able to keep Zion and, and, and Ingram, not having a coach, so uh, Dame would be able to come in and be the vet leadership that's going to be able to be leaned on for advice and also have talent around him and, uh, and be able to be involved with the process as well as that. Uh, you know what I mean? He, that's going to be – that can be a place that it can work. You know what I mean? It's not. It's going to be tough because, you know, they're going to rely on Dame, you know, leadership a lot. But talent-wise, it'll definitely be a step up from what he's had, you know, with Portland playing with a wing like B.I., playing with a big or, you know, not even just a big, just a generational talent like you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's just going to be clear talent step up. You know, they'll have things to build on. They can easily get ring changer type vets or vets who want to be part of something special, you know, that knowing that they'll get a chance to sign in, in a competitive setting. Um, but another dark horse candidate and – when I brought this team up, that's when a lot of <laughs> a lot of the nasty jealousy and a lot of the old agony and pain. And this is when I really noticed a lot of the Laker enthusiasm just died. <laughs> you know, because because you know when it was when we were talking Pelicans, when we were talking Knicks, when we were talking you know uh, Sixers. In people's minds, like, yeah, 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 they have assets, whatever, but they're not going to make a super team that's going to give them a great chance to win right away. But when I brought this team up, that's when people are like, well, well, we have to see. We have to see who other has the other assets and stuff. The Warriors, when I brought up the Warriors, because I told people, I said, bro, they have three lottery picks. They have two this year, and they have Wiseman. They have future first-round picks that they can add to this collection to, to beef that up. You have Wiggins took as a contract matcher, but Wiggins is a contract matching purposes, but he's also a young wing as well. So, I mean, that's an asset that they can move later because he has, after this year, he's an expiring. So yes, that's another yes. potential future asset for them to get more from. And then you can also throw in Poole, you know, Jordan Poole, who's another nice little young player who, would, if they went for a full rebuild, fits their timeline. So they have great young pieces and they also have this, they can, will give up, everything but their core to get it too. like they have no if they want to they have no reason to pull back because if they want to compete they they could just throw the whole kitchen sink of their young talent and say we want Dame and you know if the Warriors get another super team ring chasers is coming so when people heard, when people heard that name they're like oh that's when all the Laker enthusiasm died they started, I started seeing more Tatum photoshops I started seeing talks about LeBron and CJ's like Y'all, we have to understand, you have to have assets, fellas. Like, you know, the thing with people understand with the Harden trade, first of all, I was one of the first people to say Harden was going to go get traded as soon as they lost that series. <laughs> he was so like, I, I remember the, the, the night we recorded, yeah. you said it was a wrap. It was it's a wrap. I said it was a wrap for Houston. I said they're blowing the whole thing up. OG, this was before me and Maples got together, you know, just as me as a guest. I said the Rockets are blowing it up. And people knew I told people, because I actually thought the Nets were going to get Bradley Beal, but I said this from last year, I said the Nets were going to go third star hunting because they have young talent, they have picks, they're not going to sit on those with Katie and Kyrie, they're going to try and, you know, maximize their window and get another third star and make a super team because they have the assets to, so the whole thing with Harden didn't even shock me, I, I was surprised they didn't add Dinwiddie to the mix, that was me, I was actually shocked they were able to keep Dinwiddie, but I always thought they would throw Dinwiddie, Allen, Levert, and Picks and get any star. Right. That was always my thought process. I just didn't think it would be Harden because I didn't think he would force his way to Brooklyn and want to play <laughs> on a super team. But 
Like, you have to understand, y'all, Brooklyn gave up four firsts and four swaps. You can say, oh, it's a late first, this, this, and that, this, that, and the third. It's still four firsts. First of all, four swaps. You have to have to remember KD and Kyrie and them are old. So in 2027, they might not be on the nets. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like they might not be on the net. So that's not, so that's a situation where the Rockets can get a free lottery pick down the line. You know what I mean? So it's not like they like they got nothing out of it. Like people keep saying nothing because they keep saying they get they got Levert and they ended up pushing Levert for a Linux. So it's like they got nothing, bro. It's these trades are not about the players. You have to understand when you're trading a superstar, there's no player unless you get a superstar back, there's no player that you're gonna get of value back. Teams want picks because they know they can't get a player back that's worth the trade. So in their mind, it's like, let's get picks and let's rebuild. Let's try to draft one. Let's try to find one, yeah. Let's throw into the future and see where the chips fall because we know there are no current players we can get that's going to be of equal value. So we have to go for the future. We have to go potential. That's why I keep telling people, if you don't have picks, you don't have assets. (laughs) <laughs> the Lakers, when they got AD, they had assets. People were hating, yes, but we had three lottery picks. Three. Lonzo, B.I., and the number four pick. Three lottery picks. Josh Hart, which was another first, and then we gave up two more first and two more swaps. We had picks, yo. Yeah, right, That's what right. teams want. Teams want picks. If you don't have picks, you have no chance. It's really that simple. It's really that simple in the league. Right, and, then, and I think the Lakers they have twenty the pick twenty two this year, right? Yeah, pick twenty two and then twenty twenty seven. That's not moving the needle, y'all. Yeah, not, what, I, I'm mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think they have. Yeah, I mean that's and, and that's what I mean. You got a generational talent, Anthony Davis, right? So you got, you know, and you have a, and you have a hot spot free agency exactly, destination, bro. Exactly. Ring, ring, on, ch- you got a ring, ring chasing spot, ring and clout chasing spot. So, and you have so, still have LeBron James for whatever he has left, bro. Come, yeah, yeah. come on, like y'all, y'all. I get it. You want the super team. I get it. But you have to understand, you have to have that. You have to have picks, bro. If the Lakers had four picks and Dame did this, I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, okay. But we don't have picks, bro. We don't have any picks. It's not going to happen. Right. And I just, yeah, man, I I think the the trade that was more realistic that you brought up, I think, like, acquiring CJ is a much more cleaner. Obviously, if Dame gets traded, CJ becomes on the block. Because you got to blow everything up at that point. You have to blow everything up. Exactly. So I, so, I think I think CJ is a much more viable. And he fits perfectly seamlessly with what AD and Brian. It's like he's a shooter who can create off the dribble. Like it's perfect. 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 And guess what? Right. You don't even have to lose THT for that because you can now those two first round picks you have that's left over. If you 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 may not even have to put both of them. You can put one of them, the twenty two with Kuz and KCP as a starting point, right? And be like, if we have to add one one more, we'll just add the twenty seven, or maybe we'll add two seconds. But you know what I'm saying? It's like now your assets actually have, you know, impact in that trade. You you come in at in a Dame trade with that. And they're seeing nine picks from New Orleans. Come on, man. Like, let's be for real. They're seeing three lottery picks from Golden State. They're seeing Ben Simmons and four firsts with the Maxi. They're seeing RJ Barrett with six firsts and with quickly and with Mitchell Robinson. Come on, bro. Come on, man. Come on, bro. Let's be for real. Right. So we just wanted to dabble, you know, in that play with that a little bit, see, you know, where they, but I agree. Uh, the Knicks and Philly, I think, are really going to be pushing hard for Dame. They got the talent, the talent, 
picks available to extend down the future if they want and the market that Dame wants, which is something bigger if he does move. He's always kind of alluded, you know, to that being a possibility. Um, and just for the record, somebody who I know who, who's on the outskirts of Dame, they are his – and that's not him. His circle is pushing him to New York. Like, they yeah, really want him – they really, that, they really that's why you're to, seeing those tweets on the timeline. Y'all. Right, you're seeing people who like to who like to predict moves, talk about the Knicks because word is getting around. Man. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like they, his his like it might not just be, his circle really wants him in New York. Like that platform for what he's trying to like that's right up his alley. Rapping, expanding his business profile, it's all up there. So just putting that out there. Uh, anyway, y'all hit the follow subscribe button on this pod. Um, I want to thank you guys. Just the quickest we hit a thousand last week. It happened in like one day. Y'all really rocking. I appreciate y'all. Uh, shout out King Josiah. You know, shout mm-hmm. me and Kings out on the NBA Twitter Rising Stars list. Yeah. Uh, you know, we appreciate the love. Shout out King Josiah. Um, follow myself on Twitter, JJ Maple fifty five underscore MST at it's Kings, bruh. Um, just tap in, man. Give us feedback. We respond. We got another Q&A episode coming up before we go into offseason. Uh, so <laughs> look on, look out for that. And uh, we are out of here. Y'all be safe, man. Peace, y'all.